Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. The New Statesman. Hi, I'm Anoush. I'm Freddie. And I'm Rachel. And on today's episode of the New Statesman podcast, we report from Labour Party conference. So here we are, huddled in yet another airless room in Labour conference. I think it's the second day of conference really officially, isn't it? What's, what's the atmosphere been like for you, do you think? Well, I remember the 2019 Labour conference and that felt toxic, I think, for a lot of the media, as well as for a lot of like Labour activists. And it, the, I think the mood has very much changed last year a little, but this year there's a marked change in just it feels more professionally run. It feels like everyone's a bit nicer to each other. Like There's a lot less division generally over issues and over figures in the party although there is still some division I'm not like pretending it's peace and happiness and sunshine and lollipops but it's it's a nicer atmosphere for sure. Yeah I find that when you go up to Labour MPs or Labour advisors even people in the leader's office as as well they will kind of admit like when they used to say the mood is good they were kind of lying to you right? (laughs) Yeah everything is fine. Whereas now they're like and I mean it. You can see it in their eyes. I yeah. actually genuinely think that the mood is upbeat at this conference. And that is the first time for a long time that I've experienced that at Labour conference. I yeah. worked out very depressingly that this is my 10th anniversary of party conferences. Wow, which, you know, you can you can congratulate me or you can commiserate with me. But um, yeah. Yeah, I'm it, sorry. It, it, <laughs> it does give you an idea of the change in that in that atmosphere. And so I do feel like there is a bit of a buzz. Yeah, and there's a reason for that as well. Yeah. I think there's an excitement about a big poll that came out on Sunday, the Savanta poll which said that Labour are going to have a 56 seat majority so that's just one example of the position Labour are now in and lots of MPs, activists, members as well have got the confidence from the past few months and they, as you said, they're more relaxed, they're more open to conversations and I think yeah that's what we're seeing at the moment. Yeah, but I think buzz is probably the wrong word, though, because it doesn't, it doesn't feel like this is an electric atmosphere. It still yeah. feels like there's an air of caution, I think. And that's probably because nobody's heard a big speech from the party leader yet, and there's been no, like, tub-thumping rallies just yet. It's all been kind of just a more cautious approach generally yeah, I think that's very true sort of very starmer like approach yeah. <laughs> yeah and actually we were talking about this yesterday we had the new statesman party yesterday evening and we were discussing how many more sort of suits there are and that might sound like we were being sort of snarky but actually it's important because it suggests that there's more lobbyists more businesses that are sending representatives to labor conference because they have this idea that they could potentially be the next party in government yeah everything that they say now has an extra sense of weight especially for businesses you know we saw Rachel Reeves's speech to day about the economy and lots of businesses will be looking at that thinking if Labour comes into power in two years time how are they going to manage the economy? I noticed in her speech she was really talking like they they were going to be 
the next government. You yeah. know, it was all very the 45p tax rate will come back rather yeah. than if. You know, it's, it's when. Yeah, it's, it's when. when. It's no ifs. Yeah. yeah. What did you make of Rachel Reeves' speech in general? Because that's probably the big major speech that we've had so far this conference. I think you saw the main principles by which Labour wants to run the economy. You saw, again, a focus on growth, which we've got to remember is a key theme for Labour since July when Keir Starmer had his speech that was quickly overshadowed by the strikes then. But yeah, I mean, they were there before the Tories got there, associating Liz Trust now with tax cuts equals growth. And one of the big problems or the opportunities for Labour was saying, OK, if Conservatives are going to do tax cuts, what are you going to do? So they basically said, we're going to try and have a, a green investment programme to build, for instance, new gigafactories around the country have offshore wind they want new steel plants as well so there's a big investment program which i must say might not be um implemented in the way they're talking about now because obviously the economy is going to change a huge amount in the next two years we've already seen over the weekend for instance big fear among the markets in reacting to friday's budget so I think there's a feeling within Rachel Rees' team that, yes, we can set out the principles by which we think we'll run the economy, but we can't say this is the exact policy that we're going to enact if we get elected. Well, this is the irony, isn't it, of the Conservative Party playing fast and loose with the public finances, is it has an impact for Labour as well and not always a positive impact, because it does mean that they base some of their sort of costed policies that they want to announce at conference on the sort of finances that would be available to them from the Conservative Party, but because they've got this big black hole in their budget now, some of these policies that they're announcing, for example, Rachel Reeves is one of her headline announcements for a big recruitment jive and extra NHS jobs. That stuff, I think she was saying, will be funded by reinstating the 45p tax rate, which of course Labour were never going to take away, were they? So what were they using that money for beforehand? Well, quite, and I think sort of as Freddie's written about this today and it's kind of it's, like, it's about signalling principles at this point and I get you can you've got some sympathy for Labour in that area because they don't have an, an OBR yeah. assessment of the fiscal event on Friday so they don't actually know what they're, they're dealing with so you're kind of operating in a bit of a suspended reality at the moment and you know all the news about the markets and what have you she just probably doesn't know quite how it's going to turn out in the next few months and what the other end of Quasi Kwarteng's plan will be but I think some of the politically interesting things about Rachel Reeves' speech was that she was she's allowed to make health announcements and she's not the Shadow Health Secretary. I did um, think that. Yeah, yeah, you know, but and where's this kind of dutifully clapping <laughs> yeah. in the audience, <laughs> like from, from everyone I gathered that he's he's okay with it and everyone's content to give. Well, West Street has been talking about increasing the workforce yeah. in the NHS for a very long time, yeah. so it has been something he's been pushing. But you, you would think that he would, he would want it and yeah, introduce quite, it in quite. his speech. Yeah, and his speech um, is in the I think you as you put it the graveyard slot on the Wednesday. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, often journalists are like heading home by that point because Keir Starmer's speech was on the Tuesday afternoon. And she also, rather than attacking Quasi Kwarteng, goes for Liz Truss. That's usually something that the, the Labour leader would do. The opposition leader would go for the Prime Minister and the Shadow Chancellor would go for the Chancellor. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, there's just a little bit of an interesting political positioning there, I think, which might give us a signal about what, what Rachel Reeves may do in the future. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did think it was really interesting, actually, in her speech. She, she, I thought she pulled back a little bit from going full throttle against the budget. And I was watching it. I was in the hall. I was watching it. And you get sort of the idea of the rhythm of the speech and sort of which bits might be clipped for media because I was standing next to all the camera people. And I kind of got the impression that they were trying to, to calibrate it so that the bit that would be clipped would be a positive thing about Labour's new policies or yeah. vision for how the economy should be run rather than another attack on the Tory budget. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the problems that Labour's had this conference is 
yes, they need to attack the budget, and that's obviously dominated the news over the weekend, but they also need the space and time to set up and set out their own agenda. Yeah. But, of course, the two are interlinked. What happens on Friday completely shapes what Labour can do in the future. I mean, now we've got a, a predicted budget deficit of £67 billion in 26-27. We didn't have that on Thursday. Yeah. So that's a completely different fiscal situation that Labour is going to inherit. And that is inevitably going to have to shape their policies going forward into the next general election. And that's why I think you are going to get this restrained way of making policy at the moment, because we have no idea what the economy is going to look like in two years' time. Hi, it's Anoush here. This is just a reminder that as a podcast listener, you have the option of subscribing to The New Statesman with a very special offer. You can subscribe for just a pound a week. That's 12 weeks for £12. If you go to newstatesman.com forward slash podcast offer. We'll be right back. From the New Statesman comes a new podcast, Audio Long Reads. The best of our reported features and essays read aloud. Featuring writing from our authors, including Edward Docks on the death of Boris the Clown. When? did the booing start? He was never exactly sure. A year inside GB News with Stuart McGurk. One presenter told me that producers had taken to booking their own parents. May Robson on why women's football is the more beautiful game. Like most of the England squad, the Euro 2022 captain Leah Williamson can't afford not to have a plan B. Ease into the weekend with our audio long reads published every Saturday morning. Just search... Audio long reads from the New Statesman, wherever you get your podcasts. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And now it's time for a section we like to call... You You Ask Us. us. So we've got a question from Lee. Thanks for writing in. He asks, given recent polling suggesting a majority are now in favour of abandoning first past the post, are there any prospects of this actually happening? So because we're at Labour conference, we want to morph this question into one about Labour. While Lee is referring to the British Social Attitudes Survey that came out last week and showed for the first time there was a majority in favour of some kind of proportional system. Yeah, which is, re- which is a really significant change. Labour is having its own battle over this at the moment, isn't it? It's one of the areas of contention. We talked about how it is quite a united conference, but there is some division. An overwhelming majority of party members are in favour of a proportional system, and you can kind of see why. I think the Tories need to be five points ahead to win a majority. Labour need to be at least 12 points ahead, and there's all sorts of different figures like that that show how the system is sort of weighted. The leadership really don't want to talk about it. And Keir Starmer came out in this interview with The Observer on the eve of conference saying, this is not a priority for me. I'm not putting it in the manifesto. It's being debated on the floor of conference this afternoon, I think, quite likely to go through, although it depends on which way the unions go. But the unions have increasingly been having their own ballots in favour of a proportional system, or at least to reject first past the post. So there is an element of tension between the leadership 
its unions and the membership once again. This is a common story of conference. We've seen it over Brexit. We've seen it over so many policy areas. And actually last night I felt a sense of deja vu because they were in that so-called compositing meeting, trying to trying to moosh these like 130 motions in favour of PR into one worded yeah. motion that pleased everyone. And apparently it did last for hours, just like those Brexit days. But the motion they've come out with is unequivocally saying Labour has to put it in the manifesto and then put it into practice if it comes into government. Now, it's not a binding vote, but it's difficult for a leader when so many people in the party, and not just members, but different politicians from different parts of the sort of factions, you know, Stephen Kinnock, John McDonnell, Andy Burnham, you know, Anna Sawa, all these people are in favour. So it's, it's a tricky one to ignore. It, it is, it is. But I think you rightly point out there that it's, it's unlikely to make the manifesto. I think the, if they're thinking about an offer to voters that if you're kind of asking them for you to do a big shake-up of the system when you've been out of power for, you know, more than a decade and that will potentially create further doubts in voters' heads about, yeah. you know. But I wonder if they might start talking about things like, well, when I was at a fringe yesterday, for example, Lord Kerslake, the former head of the oh, civil yeah. service, he came out in favour of PR at a local government level. And I wonder if that's something that people are, are more comfortable talking about. I don't, I doubt that would make the the manifesto either. But as you say, it's certainly not a, not a united confidence entirely. In terms of other things that they're debating, the ye olde picket lines debate <laughs> has come back again. So allowing MPs to go and support striking workers at picket lines, that's going to be debated as a motion. I think the Labour leadership got themselves into a bit of a mess on that one, but I I don't think there's much they can do about the party being unhappy about it at this stage. Yeah, but otherwise fairly united, but PR probably not going to be in the manifesto. Yeah, and I suppose the big risk for them is if they seem to be even talking about it. Yeah. You can already see there have been pieces. I think apparently the Mail is the paper that has covered proportional representation the most because they're so frightened of it. So there have been these attack pieces, and I suppose the vulnerability is you get accused of a stitch-up or a making pacts. or I don't Yeah, know. or just coming across as too radical. I mean, one of yeah. the main yeah. projects of Keir Starmer is to make the Labour Party look moderate, and major constitutional reform is not going to help that. Yeah. Plus, a lot of MPs, Labour MPs that he has to work with and lead in Parliament every week would potentially lose their seats under a proportional system. So he's got quite a few MPs who are concerned yeah. about yeah, of losing their, their jobs, essentially. Yeah, so it's a divisive thing for him to back for the people he immediately has to look after in Parliament. Yeah, it's also, I just don't think it's a priority for the public either. I mean, rarely constitutional changes are. Yeah. Obviously, Brexit is a, quite a large exception to that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the House of Lords reform, electoral reform, the Whip's office, blah, blah, blah. We, we talk about these things a lot within conference and elsewhere, but I don't think it comes up when we've got the cost of living or the economy um, or inflation or these major issues at the moment. It won't be something they'll want to focus on. Yeah, I think they'll want to keep their election offer as simple as possible and a, a huge debate over the constitution and potential radical reform. You can see yeah. why they would be... Definitely. Want to keep away from it, yeah. Although, I mean, it is something that he may have to confront at some point if Labour get in and they need some kind of Lib Dem help to prop up a government. Well, that's um, And I, I can probably say this on the podcast, though I probably can't write it because it's not, it's only a rumour, but there's, I've heard some rumours that Keir Starmer was advised not to speak too much to Ed Davey or seen to speak too much to Ed Davey at the Queen's funeral. And you can actually see some clips of him where he's got like his nose buried in the order of service. <laughs> and, and, you know, the idea is don't look like you're speaking to each other behind yeah. closed doors or 
in public or anything because these by-elections where they've said to have sort of stood aside for one another have spooked the right-wing press. Indeed, when Keir Starmer was at the New Statesman Politics Live event, I asked him, I was like, so how often do you work with Ed Davey? He was like, oh, not really. <laughs> I was like, have you not been for a pint together? Nope, nope. And I find okay. it hard to believe that, yeah. that, that, that those, those two political leaders have not been and shared a cup of tea or a pint at some point. Yeah, so they are quite uptight about it, definitely. And what other areas of contention are we going to look out for then in the, le- in the next two days of conference? Obviously, renationalisation is is one of them. Andy Burnham is one of those quite vocal supporters of renationalising the railways. Uh, Lou Haig has recommitted Labour to um, taking rail into public ownership, which got a huge round of applause because obviously it's very popular with Labour members. I kind of think Lou Higgs one to watch as well as a potential future leader. I think she's sort of underpriced in the amount of people that speak to me about her and how much they rate her is interesting. Yeah. And that she's kind of allowed that bit of her brief. I know rail's kind of slightly more complicated because some of it's been in public ownership during the pandemic and they're supportive of deals which bring buses into public control at a local level as well so they're more relaxed about transport. Yeah, but there's others like utilities as well. Yeah, Yeah. so so that's the motion that's going is mail and water and what have you into public ownership as well and they kind of probably want to wind down the rest of the nationalisation agenda that they had under Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah, and in Keir leadership pledges. Well, quite, Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Andy Burnham is spending a lot of time talking at fringes. Um, I think it's over 10 fringes that he's uh, going to. So he's really going out there, speaking to members. And I think there's a little bit of a sense among the shadow cabinet that he's perhaps speaking beyond his brief. You've got to remember on Sunday morning, he preempted Keir Starmer by saying that he would reverse the 1p cut in the basic income tax, which obviously I don't think went down very well at all and was sort of seen as him stepping on the National Party of the Westminster side of things when he's obviously focused more on Manchester. So there is that little bit of tension there. I think you're always going to get that play of internal politics and you know rising stars within the party and I'm not sure if we can still describe Andy Burnham as a rising star. <laughs> he uh, failed twice to become Labour exactly, leader. Yeah. <laughs> no, but if somebody from the Shadow Cabinet said to you that he's speaking beyond his brief and that's the worst that they said about him, then certainly not the worst I've heard yeah. from some of the shadow front benches about them. Very frustrated. This I was being very polite. I yeah, yeah, that's the part. I think he obviously gave everyone the polite version. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there are a lot of people who are very, very frustrated yeah. with Andy Burnham, who are sort of big Keir Starmer loyalists, uh, very much briefing like crazy behind closed doors about him. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, a, it's, a, it's sort of like a tradition at Labour conference yeah. now that Andy Burnham does some freelancing on the fringe. Well, it's not so much about Labour conference. It seems to be a recurrent theme month by month. You've got to remember that he's the one that came out with his rewiring Britain proposals, which included PR, also included a reform of the House of Lords. So he's already talking about national issues on quite a regular basis. So, and yeah, and he's doing it again at a conference. And hopefully he'll do it again at my fringe this evening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, think of the journalists, Andy. <laughs> You've been listening to the New Statesman podcast with me, Anoush Shekelian, and my colleagues, Freddie Hayward and Rachel Wearmouth. We're produced by Mae Robson, and our music is Devil with the Devil, licensed under Creative Commons. Thanks so much for listening, and don't forget to subscribe and leave us a nice review. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.